Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. Again, I want to remind everyone uh, that we're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step based organizations or groups in any way. And our mission, as always, is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms, the story of addiction, and the road to recovery. This is part two with my dear, dear friend, Ron, Ron A. And, you know, I just, you know, it's sitting here with you right now. It just blows my mind of everything that we've been through. And, you know, like I closed out part one, the journey that starts from here is is what it's all about, man. It's it's recovery. We're in recovery. We're here to recover. But what we're recovering is ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We're recovering the relationships in our life. We're recovering the relationship with self. We're recovering a relationship with God, a higher power. That's what we've done, man. And we get to continue to do it on a day to day basis and incorporate each other in each other's lives, man. It's just uh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it blows my mind, dude. And you know, when I think about spiritual experiences through awareness, man, it you know, sitting here right now with you is is definitely one of those. So you you're you're out and uh, you go back after you kill your number and you finally get off parole and you go back to New York and you're you start a satellite telemarketing room. You know, that was my master plan when I caught my case and I knew I was going back to prison. I was gonna go to Mexico. That was my grand idea. You remember, you were sure. there. I think yeah, we, yeah. we kicked that idea around. Yeah. We're gonna go to Rocky Point, right? We're gonna do a satellite telemarketing sure. room, not a big deal. Yeah, we'll teach my daughter Spanish, right. she'll be bilingual. I think we both had the same plan at one point. I was going to Cancun. You were going to Rocky Point. Sure. You know. Yeah, we like the beach. Yeah. We like the beach. For sure. Yeah. Timeshares, brother. They're never going to find me. <laughs> They'll never find me. <laughs> you know, uh, Jay, real quick, I want to touch on something real fast. And that's, is that this, now I know that both of us sitting here, and, and I know that you and I, we, we, we talk often and we reflect on where we've been and where we are now. And I think the thing that's really important is I know that I can see where God had his hand in this thing right from the very beginning, you know, right from where we met, um, where he had a purpose for us, um, that we had to go through exactly what we needed to go through to be where we're at today. Sure. And nothing happens in God's world by mistake. No. Man. And, I, and I truly believe that. And the experiences that we're continuing to have being in each other's lives and work in recovery and, and being a part of the recovery community and playing a small part in helping so many people, you know, we both have sponsors. We both sponsor a ton of different men. We both speak all over the valley. Anytime we're ever called upon. I mean, you're sitting here right now. Uh, last week, you had double pneumonia. Yeah. Um, you have a separated rib right here, right now at this moment. And here you are, man. And, and you know, I really appreciate you showing up, man, to, to be part of this today. I mean, it means a whole lot to me. You know, I have a nickname and it's uh, it's Ronnie, no matter what. No matter you know? what, baby. You know, and, 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 and your, your awesome wife. And you got me this Yankees jersey that says Ronnie, no matter what, on the back. It is so awesome. And, and you know, for me, that takes on a meaning is uh, a meaning for me. And that's I need to go to a meeting no matter what. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to call my sponsor no matter what. Um, I need to reach out for help. Uh, even when I think I know best, it's probably good to run up by somebody no matter what. And, and for me, that it's just a reminder for me. Um that I need to stay in this process no matter what at all times, because I, I don't want the ladder. I don't mm -hmm. want it no more. No. I, I I don't, I refuse. And you and I both have this little, this little saying, you know, um, we're stepping over to bodies sure. and that's, it, it's, it's, it's bad out there. And I know I'm not saying nothing to anybody out there that, 
that hasn't been affected by drug and alcohol addiction directly or by a loved one, you know, all you got to do is drive down any city street and you see this going on. You see what's happening in this world today. And if guys like me and you can, can bring that light to the darkness, because wherever there's light, there can't be dark. Sure. So it's my moral responsibility and my obligation to do whatever I can do at all times to be kind. Sure. And we're responsible for that. You know, there's the, the a responsible prayer, you know, it's, yeah. it's the motto, right? Reach out the hand at any time that someone needs the hand of AA. We, you know, we reach our hand down, we pick them up. But if they don't want it, and I say it all the time, I'm body stepping mofo, dude. I'll yeah. step right over the bodies, and it sounds cruel, but I can't want it more than you want it. Right. That's just the facts of it. But if you want it and you have the desire to want to make some changes in your life, we'll do anything we can to help you, man. And right. that's and that's what this thing's all about. So you jump on a first first class, not yeah. to mention first class flight. That was cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, do they feed you? Is I did. Oh, they yeah, eat food. I got the really? nuts. Oh, the peanuts? I got the drink. Really? Did yeah. you catch a movie? No, I didn't. I didn't catch a movie because I, I was just, I was really. Um, you were shook. Mentally, yeah. Mentally, I was I was shot, you know. So I land here in Arizona, uh, go to a halfway house. Um, and I swore off the telemarketing gig because my problem was telemarketing because there's. I understood at this point that there's no way I could stay sober lying for a living, right? So I wasn't going to get involved in the phone rooms anymore. I don't want nothing to do with it. And that every time I leave, they keep pulling me back. Pulling me back. back. <laughs> I get I get right back involved in, in the phone rooms again. It took a little time, but uh, I, I did. Um, I get involved in one phone room. I become a, I become the manager real quickly. Um, shortly after that, you know, I go on one of my binges and this is where things really changed for me in my addiction and my mental state. You know, uh, I, I jokingly, when I, when I get the, the privilege to be able to talk in meetings, I talk about how I, re- I had a resentment against all you West coasters because hmm. you were hiding something out here for me for years. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a crackhead. And when you smoke crack, that's all you can do is smoke crack. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I get a big paycheck. I go on a binge. I'm smoking crack. And halfway through my binge, the crack man is out of crack. Uh-oh. So I'm having a crack attack. I'm chewing the side of my face yeah, off. You don't like that shit. No, no. I'm, uh-huh. I'm running around Mesa trying to find more crack cocaine. And I run into this guy. And uh, I ask him if he could score for me. And he ends up going into this building. And he comes out with this stuff that looks like glass. Hmm. Hmm. And it, you know, I had given, I had given him a 20, $20 because no way am I going to give this dude a bunch of money. No, not doing that. No, no. So he comes out with this thing and, um, make a long story short, uh, I got introduced to methamphetamine. And Uh-oh. Let me tell you what, you guys been hiding that from me because <laughs> that was the game changer for me. Um, you know, when you smoke crack, as I said, that's all you can do is smoke crack. When I do meth, there's not enough shit for me to do. <laughs> I'm going to do all my stuff. I'm going to do all your stuff. I'm going to get your stuff done. I was able to function at some type of a level, right? I could I could hold a job and go to work. And it just added to my whole crazy persona of Ron from New York telemarketing guy. <laughs> and um, uh, I, oh, he, he's just high strung. Yeah. yeah, I was just high strung. Uh-huh. Um, you got ADD, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's it. fine. That's it. He's fine because the bottom line was I, I was making people a lot of money. A lot of money. I was making people a lot of money doing what I was doing. I was really good at 
you know, I was a really good salesman, but I was really good at showing people on, on how to do it and being able to manage phone rooms. And uh, we'll get into some of the funny managing oh. techniques that I have. Oh, yeah. You um, had your own style and yeah. philosophy, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I had my own style. Uh, morning meetings with a baton. Oh, I, God. I, I'll never forget. I'm going to let you tell that one real quick. So, you know, Ron ends up, you know, getting back into the telemarketing game. He finds meth. And now he's he was already an amazing salesman. But now he can close more deals. He could talk faster. I remember there was a period of time when Ron would be have two different headsets on, closing two different <laughs> deals at the same time. So we end up meeting again in 2011, like part one started off. You know, that's where we met. I walked into a phone room. He was a general manager of the phone room. He heard me on the phone. He came out. He took me under his wing and showed me this type of telemarketing. Um, I wrote down his whole pitch, marathon pitch, man. The dude hangs up on him. We end up uh, moving out. to. So Ron was living in Chandler. And so my wife is from Chandler. And so I end up moving out to Chandler. I have my daughter now. I move. I leave Crossroads. I get my own place. We have our daughter and me and Ron start our own phone room together. AI Investments. <laughs> oh, boy. Alessian and Sarah Investments. AI Investments. It sounded like a great idea at the time. Oh, it sounded like a great idea. We're going to take over Master Plan. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my God. And so we end up, you know, we got about 20 telemarketers. We got an office in Chandler. Um, and so now we're doing the morning meetings and Ron, you know, I would come into work in the morning and Ron would have been, was in the office all night long. <laughs> he's got cigarettes burned yeah, out. Yeah. He's God knows what happened in that office right. the night before I'd show up. Right. He's ready to work. He's already been working. He's, he's calling the East coast, yeah. right? Three hours ahead of time. And so we'd have these morning meetings. And I remember this day that what was the dude, was he upset about his commission or something? No, he was. He was late because oh, he was mean, in the bathroom shooting heroin. Oh, that's right. He found an orange cap. Yeah. He found an orange yeah. cap in the bathroom. You were pissed. And in the middle of the I was morning, appalled. Yeah. He couldn't believe it. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. And in the middle of a morning meeting with 20 telemarketers, he whips out a baton. I'm talking whips out a baton. You know how it extends, extends <laughs> the baton and goes after this dude in the morning meeting. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Chill yeah. out, dude. We had different uh, managing styles. Yeah, for sure. Well, for we, sure. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. we definitely did. And so we start this business, man, and, and we're, we're making money and we're not making money. And I remember there was a period of time, man, when we were making money. And I remember we went and we, we me and you split, was it a $15,000, $20,000 check? Yeah. Yeah, we did. And and we did. We, we, we had a windfall and it was all ours. And normally, you know, uh, we were always, Jason likes to say, hustling backwards. We were always hustling backwards because we were always, we were always in the negative because, uh, you know, we're drug addicts. We spent it quicker than we got it. Yeah. And, and the thing that was a unique dynamic that worked for me and Jason is we're two different drug addicts. <laughs> he likes to slow down. I like to go fast. Uh -huh. So like we didn't interrupt each other's using. And I thought about that on the, on the drive over here today. Right. <laughs> and I thought about that, that, yeah, that's kind of why it worked because I didn't get in the way of him slowing down and he didn't get in the way of me uh, going fast. I mean, there was some times when he would tell me to eat a sandwich or go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, a couple times. Yeah. A couple times. I, mean, I like to go fast too, brother. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I, we're, <laughs> we're never going to call what we used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyhow, um, here we are and we're doing this and, and, and we get this big chunk of money and we go out to the casino and, and, and listen, there was some good times, right? Sure. There was some good times. 
uh, some brief good times. And this particular night, you know, we went to the casino. We were playing ballers. We actually won money. Sure. We were treating our, our significant others really good. They were happy just to see us happy. And, um, you know, we had a blast. Yeah, we did. You know, I, I remember a couple of days later, uh, Jason saying, hey, you know, you were giving me $100 chips all night, right? He was finding $100 I, I, chips. I kept finding them. They were yeah. all over the place. Yeah, he was finding $100 chips that his wife was stashing. Yeah. Um, and, and real quick, I need to I need to say this, and I was trying to find the perfect opportunity to say this, is, you know, your wife, Ashley, and she's a saint, man. She is. She, she put up with, oh, my God. Oh, God. You alone, you know. I'm a full-time job. Yeah, your so. full-time job, and then you got your, your – friend business partner slash idiot that <laughs> you know ashley unconditionally tried everything in her power just to make sure i was safe she didn't know what was going on with me exactly she just knew some stuff was going on and and, and all she ever wanted was me to be safe and many nights uh her opening her door to me and uh making me a meal and 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 just making sure that i was okay and and I know that for me, that relationship with with you and your wife and your daughter, and it's it's funny. What does your daughter call me? Uncle Crazy. Uncle Crazy. <laughs> me, me and his daughter have been homies since she was born. Uh -huh. Like we hung, and that's what we do. Because I would get all loaded and go to Jason's house, and Jason be putting out fires with Ashley, and me and Bella would be playing in the princess room. <laughs> There was a time when uh, we were out at the spa at the complex we lived oh, at yeah. and uh, Bella was jumping. My daughter was jumping into the spa and one of the neighbors or residents of the complex came out and yelled at her. And when Ron found out about this, he went down there with a taser, a <laughs> baton and said, this little girl can do whatever yeah. she wants. And I'll never forget <laughs> that. And. She did whatever she wanted. Yeah, she did whatever she wanted, <laughs> and, and she could still do whatever she wants. I mean, within, I mean, but yeah, she. It, I I just want to express that that again, this is all God's plan, and and so grateful that we're going to get to the part to where we get reunited, and and you know, it's a healing process for everybody, you know, because you know, Ash hated me, you know, she was very resentful, or she's very mad at me, and 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 justified too, because I was part of. I was part of Jason's demise, right? And and as a bystander in this, she saw this go down. And uh, it's hard to watch people you love, man, yeah. go through the ugly side of addiction, man. And especially when you're, she's a normie, man. And, sure. and she doesn't, you know, have the physical allergy and the craving and the mental obsession. She doesn't understand it. All she knew is that not only did she love me, but she loved Ron. And to see the way, I mean, we had everything. We had a business, man. We were making money. We were doing all these things. And it went we have so potential. We have we have potential. potential. And she's always seen it in both of us, man. And, and I'm so lucky to have her in my life. There's no doubt about that. We both are today. And it's just, it's a miracle. Yeah, for sure. So that kind of brings us to the point of now things start getting serious for us in Chandler. Mm -hmm. We're, 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 we're hitting, we're hitting it from two different angles. You know, our approaches are different. You know, I, I, I like to joke for, for you people that know Jason and myself, you know, I'm the pretty freight face and he's the brawn of the operation. <laughs> I'm the muscle. Yeah. You're the muscle. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the pretty face. I have a face for radio. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was designed for podcasts yeah, for sure. Yeah, you <laughs> um, but, but no, we, we started Taryn Chandler, Arizona. Yeah. 
Yeah, and did. and and before we knew it, like we were so dumb and in our addiction, every time we would drive, we were getting pulled over. Every time. Um, because there was a there was a task force trying to get us, trying to stop us. Um, not only did they not like our business and the type of people we employed, and pretty much everyone we employed had a warrant. Um, and we wouldn't let them in the building when they would show up to serve that warrant. But that was during the day and during the night. I mean, we were running around like savages. Sure. I mean, the the boosting, the stealing. I mean, I mean, the drugs, the you know, uh, everything that comes yeah, along with it. You, you know, know, you know the story. So, as we're going along, we're you know, uh, Jason's catching his cases, and I'm out, and I hadn't caught mine yet. Um, mine was one one swoop. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I catch all my problem all one time, and um, I'll never forget it. You know, I. I catch this case uh, for a large sum of methamphetamine and some guns. And at this time, Jason and I were staying apart from each other because he was just trying to tread water. And I was just trying to go until I couldn't go anymore. Um, and I remember I remember calling him. And you want to talk about a moment of clarity. And I don't know if he remembers this conversation. But I remember I had called him and uh, I told him what had happened. He knew I had gotten in trouble, but he didn't know the magnitude of it. And I knew he was in some trouble. And I didn't know the, I didn't understand the magnitude of his trouble at, the, at that time. And I think we both knew at that moment that we were, we were destined to go to prison and there was nothing we could do about it. Yeah. So we continued. So we, we dove into this thing and started using as hard as we could. Um, I ended up going on the run. Uh, Jason sent me out to Ohio. You know, I, I went out there for a while and um, all I was doing was delaying the inevitable. Sure. You know, uh, I come back. I come back from Ohio. I show up at his doorstep at two in the morning, banging <laughs> on the door. He opens the door. What are you doing, Ashley? And the baby is sleeping. Yeah. Broski, what are you doing? You can't do this. Lay on the couch and stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, um what we ended up doing was that next day I went and, and, and I sold a batch of leads that I had sold 17 times before to the same person. Yeah. Um, I did it again and got us some money. Yeah, you did. Um, and went to a hotel room. Oh, let me back up a little bit before, before that happened. So, so while all this is going on, um, nobody in my life wants anything to do with me anymore. There was just a couple of people who would still deal with me. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, there was 36 felonies. They re-indicted me on 18 of them. They were all class twos and class threes. And, um, at this point, um, I had gone into this dark place. The methamphetamine had taken me to a dark place that I never thought was possible. Um, I'm going to share, I'm going to share this moment. So here I am in this hotel room. Um, I'm at Motel 6, 27th Avenue in Indian School. Uh, shout, shout out to Motel out. 6. Yeah, shout out Motel 6. Half of it's gone now. Yeah. Um, thank God. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm at this motel and I'm in there and I have uh, I have my drugs. I have my needles. I have my laptop. I have my milk. I'm going to get to the milk in a minute. The milk is a very important part of me using. Um, and I'm in, I'm in there and I had developed this plan. I'm going to go to Mexico. Oh, here we are. Uh-huh. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to get on a cruise ship. 
And I'm going to live under my phone room alias, Tony Valentino. Shout out to Tony Valentino. Shout out to Tony Valentino. Great name. And I own a man to the Valentino family somewhere along yes. the line, I'm sure. So for smutting up their name. But um, <laughs> so here I am, and I'm going to go to Mexico. But while I'm waiting to go to Mexico, I'm in this hotel room. And um, so here I am, and I'm getting loaded. And now at this point in my mind, um, the Mexican drug cartel's out to get me. The, the DEA's out to get me, the Aaron Brotherhood's out to get me, all these people are out to get me. And the only truth to any of that was the cops were out there for me. Yeah, they were. Um, that was it. That was so it. I'm in this hotel room. Made a long story short, try to shorten it up for everybody. Excuse me. Um, Here I am, and, and uh, I hear these people outside my hotel room talking Spanish. Now, I don't speak Spanish. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I can't even ask for drugs in Spanish. Um, <laughs> that's how much Spanish I don't know. But on this particular night, I hear what they're saying. Oh, you're what fluent they, now. Yeah, I'm fluent. Yeah. And they told me, they said that he's in there. Get the van, get the tarps, get the zip ties. But we're not going to kill him here. We're going to take him to the desert. My heart's beating 100 miles an hour. I got sweat running down my face. I grab this pistol that I have. Um, I finally get the courage, and it's like 2.30 in the morning, and I open the door to the hotel room. I'm on the second floor, and I jump out on the balcony, and I fire four shots into the parking lot. And there's nobody in the parking lot. There's some dude pushing a shopping cart and some chick getting out of a car. So I'm like, oh, crap. Now, all of a sudden, all the lights start coming on to this hotel because some idiot just fired a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I run in the hotel room in a panic and I shut the door and I barricade myself and I, I, I'm looking for a hiding spot and I find a place where they're never going to find me. And I go to the bathroom. They're never going to find me there. They're going to find you there. No, never. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm doing what I do. And, and all of a sudden, the only way I can describe it is this numbness came over me and this hole opened up in my chest. It physically felt like my body had opened up and I had this hole. And for you people that are listening who suffered from this disease, I'm sure you can relate to that hole inside your chest that you can drive a truck through. And simultaneously, while this is going on, I have I have sunk myself into this deep hole. And um, I didn't see a way out. And this was the first time in my life that I didn't have an out. You know, like you, yeah. Jay, I always had an out. Always. I could always lie my way out of it. I could always uh, charisma my way out of it. Yeah. I, I could always buy my way out. But at this particular uh, moment, I wanted to die. So here I am, and I come up with a plan that I'm going to blow my brains out. So I, I go through the whole, I take a shower, I put on the brand new outfit. You know, I, I call my mother. Um, I, I just remember, you know, I'm, I'm speaking tweaking knees to her. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she's very upset. I don't remember the conversation, but what I do remember her saying is that you have to stop doing drugs, Ronnie, and you have to find God. Um. I, I hung up the phone and I uh, pulled the chair up to the bed. Now, here I am getting ready to blow my brains out. But what I'm going through my mind is I'm such a screw up. I got to make sure I do this right because I don't want to be the guy that puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger. And now I got a tunnel going through my face and I clip part of my frontal lobe. And now I can do math and speak French. <laughs> and, you know, Jason's wiping my butt for the rest of my life. I do that I, for you. I know you. But I don't want to be that guy. So I put my head back on the bed and I stick this gun as far as I can in my mouth. And I remember the metal touching my tonsils. And I'm crying 
And I finally have the courage that I'm going to end this pathetic life, this existence. And I pull the trigger and I hear the loudest click ever in my life. And this electricity shoots through my body. And this is important because I'm going to tie this into my story here in a little bit. Um, I sit up, I'm in panic. I'm in sh- Obviously, the, my, my head is still intact, so I didn't kill myself. I rack the gun again. I stick the gun in my mouth and I pull the trigger again. And um, I don't hear the click and I don't feel the electricity, but the gun doesn't go off. I throw the gun on the ground. I'm freaked out. I go hide back in the bathroom again. I do more drugs. Um, what happened was later that day um, when the people showed up at the hotel room, they didn't know what was going on. I was babbling, speaking tweakinese. They didn't know if I got if I shot somebody or whatever. So they're taking the gun apart and they're getting rid of it. And what had happened was the firing pin to the gun had severed off and it was in the bottom of the magazine of the gun. Now, I didn't realize it then, Jay, but that was God doing for me what I could not do for myself. I I didn't understand it then, but it ties in later down the road. So um, shortly after that, I ended up in prison. Yeah. So, you know, I I remember that day, man. Uh, You were at the hotel. I was coming over to bring you some milk and, and, you know, milk for Ron, you know, being a chronic full, full throttle, go fast drug addict, you know, it, it destroys your health. And, you know, so he would drink milk and the milk would coat his stomach and he would have to drink the milk in order to keep the drugs in his system. Otherwise he would throw them up. So we'd use the milk. And I was constantly, my wife just found out why we brought him gallons of milk constantly. Um, she thought he just liked milk. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we would bring him some milk, man. I remember on this day, man, he was in a hotel room and I was going to meet him and bring him some milk and pick him up. And we were going to go try to figure out a solution to both of our problems and how we can start to do things differently. And I remember I still have the text messages from that day on my phone. I said, I'm on my way, broski. I'll be there. I'm on my way. And, you know, I'll never forget that. So I make it there, man. And I make it to the hotel and you're not there, bro. But what is there is about 20 cops. Yeah. And the whole, I remember you were on the second floor. Yeah. Right in the middle. And there was tape over the door. And I thought, oh my God, what happened, man? And, you know, I didn't see you for a very long time after that. So why don't you tell everyone what happened? Because the journey from here is, is unbelievable. It's just a miracle. And it's nothing short of God being in our lives for the whole time. But see, the whole thing is, is our higher powers are, God, whatever your conception is, is always there. But the problem is our awareness isn't there. And the biggest problem is, is we're not doing our part. When our actions start to align and with God's will, then we get to see the plan unfold and the plan really unfolds. So what happened, man? So, so obviously they, they served a warrant on me and, and, uh, well, it's because you put the, the, I remember I told you, <laughs> don't put the, the hotel room in you your name. You were walking, you had your ID in your hand. So he takes me to this hotel and he's, he, I just get back from Ohio and he's got, we got to get off to the, the couch because Ashley's going to kill us both. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, we pulled up to this hotel and Jason gets out of the car and he has his ID in his hand. He's going to go put the room in his name. And I was feeling myself because I had got me a little bit of my, you know, a little yeah. something, something. Uh-huh. And I was invincible. Uh-huh. And I said, no, I got this, Jay. And he goes, are you sure about this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Well, it was it was probably the best thing that happened. Sure. Now you know, we can see it. Right. We can look back at it and see that it just, 
I would have prolonged the inevitable and, and who knows what happened in that period of time. So I end up getting getting locked up. So they and, do a warrant check. They run a warrant check right. on all the residents at the hotel. They run everybody's names to the hotel room's names in. They run his name. He's got, I mean, we're talking 18, seri- felonies, yeah, 18 yeah. class two felonies, serious, serious case. Um, they see that. And so they send the, the whole goon squad to get you. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of overwhelming. And, you know, when, when they had got me and they, and they, and they put me in the back of the paddy wagon, they were so happy that they caught me because like, that was a big warrant for them. It was a warrant, uh, task force. So like, they were all happy. They were all like, yeah, we got, yeah, we got this one. This was a good one, you know? And, um, so here I am and I go back to Maricopa County. And at this point I was just a mess. Um, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't really put a sentence together. Things were pretty bad for me. Um, and shortly after that, you know, I get sentenced and I end up in prison. Um, I have to share this because this is a very, very important part of the the positive change that that took place in my life was. So my mother, she told me, uh, she told me before I got sent off the Department of Corrections um, because the lawyer had called her and let her know that I was getting seven years, seven flat. Um, and at this point I'm disconnected with everybody. I don't know what's going on with Jay. I don't know what's going on with anybody, but simultaneously while this is going on, he's getting sentenced as well. Um, God's got his hand in all this. So I get a postcard from my mom because Maricopa County can't get letters. It's postcards. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a postcard and my mother tells me that she will do this seven year prison sentence with me, but there's a couple of conditions. First condition is I absolutely cannot get no tickets or no infractions while I'm in prison because you know they got that computer and they can they oh, they, see yeah, what we're doing. They can see it. Yeah, yeah. They they know what's going on. Uh-huh. And she said, if you get a ticket or you get an infraction, I'll see you in 2021 when you get out. You give me a call. But if you can't be a grown up, then I, I I can't have nothing to do with you. And then the other part of that was, she told me I had to be honest and I couldn't lie to her. So that was the beginning for me. And, and, and for me, I got to prison and there I was, and I had to make a decision of what I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I had to do something different. And, you know, my God wears people close. I love that. You know, he, 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 he puts people, he has always put people in my life. And if I'm present at that moment, I can hear and see the message. And um, on this particular day, here I was out in front of the building um, I was squatting down in front of the building, picking up cigarette butt snipes that people were throwing on the ground, trying to be slick about it. Because, you know, if you get caught doing that, uh, you're going to get punched in the face. I'm not trying to get punched in the face. Yeah, they frown upon that. Yeah, like, they frown upon like that. jacking off on the airplane. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, it's frowned upon. Yeah. So here I am, and I'm out in front of the building, and uh, there's a guy named Sean. And uh, Sean comes up to me and he gives me a pouch of tobacco and a half a pack of papers. And his exact words to me were, and they, this resonates with me so much. He said, I don't know if you're into the the recovery thing or not, but there's a bunch of pieces of shits on this yard. And we have a meeting every day. It's a non-formal meeting. Uh, we get together. There's like three of us and we talk about recovery and, and you're welcome to come. That act of kindness changed my life. It changed 
it changed everything for me because again, my, you know, God wears people clothes and he, and he, and he sent this man to reach his hand out to me at a time of my brokenness. And uh, I went to this meeting and I sat there and I couldn't talk and I would just listen. And these, and, and these men in this group, these, these three men, they took care of me and they fed me and they hooked me up with some hygiene. And I remember they lived in a different run than me. And every night before lockdown, they would bring over a bowl of soup for me. And I was like, man, these guys are being kind to me. And, and all these things started happening inside of me. And I started to be able to get my wits back about me. And because I had my prior experience of getting sober and being in the book a little bit and having experience with meetings, it kind of fell on me. I became the AA guy on the yard. So I started, uh, I started being part of the inmate run programs there. Um, I started teaching some classes. I started doing back to basics. I started sponsoring a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, in a two-year period of time, I probably took 150, 150 guys through the steps for the back to basics program. Um, you know, we got we got a classroom, then we got visitation, and we got Elkathon. We had Elkathons coming in. People from the, I started writing central offices for all the fellowships. Started getting all kinds of literature sent in. That one meeting of four guys became a meeting in every day room on both sides of the yard. And then it became visitation and then became a classroom. This recovery thing blew up. Now, the important thing is here, um, I had the unique experience of every time I took somebody through the steps, I went through the steps as well. Um, I had a I had a guy, Glenn, Glenn C. Shout out to Glenn C. Shout out, Glenn. Glenn and, and, and Lily, and they would come in and bring meetings in and, and, um, he was, he was sponsoring me, uh, but we didn't get to spend a lot of time together. Um, but as I said, every time I took someone through the steps, I was able to have an experience as well. And I was having a series of spiritual experiences and then something happened. Mm -hmm. I meet somebody. Sure. I meet this guy and, and, uh, shout out to Dean, shout out Dean, shout out Dean. And, uh, you know, Dean, um, I knew him from the yard. Um, I would always invite him to the meetings. I knew that he was one of the guys involved in the stuff. Um, and I would always invite him, tell him I had a seat open for him. I'd go back to his, his bunk where he would be doing hobby craft. And, uh, and I would invite him to meetings and stuff and let him know that, that uh, there'd always be a seat for him. So eventually he, this guy started coming to the meetings. Now we tell the story two different ways. <laughs> He was spiced out, so I don't think he has a clear reaction. Uh, you know, Probably not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a little experience with spice. Yeah, a little bit. Just okay. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, God. Okay. So, so, um, well, I'm gonna tell you real quick. So Jay used to send me in because Jay looks like a cop, and um, when we were on the streets, he would send me into the smoke shops to buy the spice because they wouldn't sell it to him because he looked like a cop. Yeah, I got, sure. I got the prison tattoos. I got the paint jobs. So yeah. You know, I, I don't look like a cop. Um, so anyhow, um, so this guy, Dean, he comes to the meeting and the meeting's over. And I'll, I'll never forget this because this was a, a point in my life that that everything changed. It, 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 it went next level for me. And um, after the meeting, he was looking at me all crazy. I was scared. I thought he was there to kick my ass. You know, pretty big, uh, dude. Pretty big guy. Um, 
So I wish I could tell you I postured up and I got in a position where I was going to fight this dude off. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, that's not. I positioned myself so I could run out the door and bang my elbow on the bubble window so the cop would see me running for my life. <laughs> um, but what ended up happening was he reached out to me and he put his arms around me and we cried together and he asked me for my help. Mm. And he said he didn't want to live the way he was living anymore. And at that moment, Jay, I, I felt so small. Sure. I felt so instant. I, 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 I just felt so tiny. And the words that came out of my mouth were, bro, I only know one way. And that was the, that's the steps. Steps one through 12. And the first three for me is, it's simply broken down as I can't, he can, I'll let him, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and then we get into the inventory with four and, and, uh, you know, it's where the, separates the men from the boys and we start doing the work and we start digging about our past. So I took this guy through the steps. And as I said, I had taken a bunch of guys through the steps before, you know, Joe M, you know, uh, he, he's another guy who I had some spiritual experiences with in prison, working the steps. Uh, I mean, the list can go on and on and on, but on this particular day, we're to the third step and um, we're on the prison yard and it's the middle of the summer. The two of us were on our knees and there's people on the phone, there's people playing basketball, there's people getting married in the corner, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. You guys been to prison, you know what goes on in prison yard. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the instructions for the, for the third step, right? There's a prayer. And then after the prayer, I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. It says, if you do this prayer and you do it with your heart and you mean it, an effect, sometimes a very great one will be felt immediately. And I had read that many times before sure. because that glosses over what happens next because it says next we launch on a course of vigorous action. So we forget about that part of it because you jump into that vigorous action part. But for me, so we say this prayer and I tell, I tell Dean that when I get done with the prayer, I'm going to get up and, and, and I'm going to let him spend some time with God. And I'm going to go back to my house and we lived in different runs and I told it was going to be locked down. And I said, well, I'll see you after. And we'll talk about your experience with the third step. I say this prayer. I get up. I put my hand on his shoulder. And if you remember my story earlier, when I had the gun in my mouth and that bolt of electricity, when I put my hand on his shoulder, I felt that same electricity again. Right away, my mind went back to the hotel room and the desperation of that evening and how I felt. Now, I had never shared that part of my story before but you know I shared that I was in a desperate way and all that stuff but the electricity and all that stuff because I still didn't know how to process that stuff back then but what I believe that was at that in the hotel room and at that moment when I placed my hand on his shoulder that was God that was my that was that was that was my white light experience that was God letting me know that he was there and I remember I just walked away from them. I was walking across the yard, Jason, and and my feet were moving, but I felt like I was gliding. Yeah. I was smiling, man. My shoulders were moving, man. Uh-huh. I was, and I looked back and I seen him praying, tears running down my face. And I got back to my house and I sat on my bunk. And when my feet hit the floor flat, that hole that was in my chest, it closed. I sat up. Now, I didn't hear God's voice, 
but like the book talks about that intuitiveness, right? The intuitiveness that that thought, and right at that moment, all those meetings and all those moment of silences and all those rehabs and all them people who 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 knew I was worth it wouldn't give up on me, and all them meetings I had been to, it all came rushing and hit me at one time, and I knew at that moment that God said, "This is why you're. This is why I spared your life in the hotel room." For this moment, you needed to be here at this moment, at this time to help that man because he needed you because God wears people close. And I send the message through my through, through my children. And that's what I believe. And from that moment, I knew I sat there and I sat at my desk and I came to this revelation, Jason, where what I look at become my thoughts. My thoughts become my words. My words become my actions and my actions become who Ron Alessi is today. And that's important to me. Sure. I want to be a man of my word. I want to be somebody that can be dependable and accountable. I want to be a good son and a good father and a good employee. And, 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 you know, for me shortly after that, you know, me and this guy, we did Dean, we developed this, this relationship and, and he takes off and he's on fire and he starts sponsoring a bunch of guys. And, and, and I'll tell you this little funny story real quick. So I remember the day he comes to me about nine months after he had worked the steps and he comes off mad and he's like, dude, they want me to roll up. They're sending me to another yard. And I said, well, okay. And he said, no, I'm going to go down here and slap this guy in the face and catch a ticket so I don't get moved to a minimum. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You ain't going to do that, bro. So what ended up happening, he went to another yard and he started carrying the message over there. And we ended up meeting shortly up, meeting up shortly down the road and, we ended up getting ACI jobs together and, and we started, we were carrying the message and, and, and doing our best to be good people in prison. And sometimes that's, it's hard to do, yeah, Jay, right? Right. It's hard to, to be out of our selfishness and be kind in all situations because you could get looked at as being weak or people could take advantage. But that wasn't my experience. My experience was God had me, man. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, so he ends up leaving. He gets out three years before me. And I remember, you know, we had shared three cries. The one was the first day he asked me for help. The second one is when we did the third step. And then the the second one, then the third one was when he was going home. And I remember, man, this big chunk of me was leaving because that was my dude, you know. And I walked into the gate and he looked at me and he thanked me for everything I had done for him. And I told him, listen, bro, you have done more for me than I could ever do for you. And he wasn't buying it. He was like, but they never buy it. No, but it's so true because that man through being my friend and allowing me to share what I had inside of me, he taught me to be a friend. He taught me to be a man of my word. He taught me to be a son, a father. He taught me these things about myself that I didn't know. Because again, God wears, you know, my God wears people clothes and I got to be present to hear the messages. And, you know, this guy's my best friend today, man. And he made me a promise. He said, I'm going to be there to pick you up when you get out of How prison. Many bro. You hear that? How many times you hear that? Oh, when, you know, God. let me tell you what, everybody, I got out of prison March 31st, 2021. And the man was sleeping in the parking lot waiting for me because he had worked a double shift the night before and he didn't want to miss me. And it's just been a whirlwind since he picked me up, man. We, Moved in with him. He had a place for me. 
Uh, we dove right into this program because I knew it was a necessity for me to hit meetings right away. Meetings, service commitments, sp sponsorship. Um, I work in the recovery field now. Ironically enough. I know it's crazy. And, you know, when I think about that, so we both went to prison at the very same oh, time. Yes. So we, so I caught an eight year prison sentence. He caught a seven flat. So eight years with 85% is about seven years. And he had to do seven years flat. So again, this whole time he's in prison, he starts right away, man. He gets connected with the fellowship. He starts sponsoring a ton of men, working the steps, getting buildings, getting programs, getting literature, recognizing the groups through AA World Service, right? Getting H&I to come in. He's working, actually working with the cops on the yard to help other individuals, working with psych and medical for the, for the guys who are extreme. They call him and he works with them. He's teaching back to basics. He's starting groups. He's carrying the message. He's Mr. AA. He's that guy that anyone knows they need to go help. Uh, if they need help, they know where to go. He is doing all these things. Now, here I am in a different prison, in a different city. We lost, I remember I asked one time, I asked my wife to look, I asked Ash to look him up. And she was like, dude, are you nuts? I was like, well, that, 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 that was a swing and a miss. Okay. So, but I always thought about him, man, because he held a special spot in my heart. Same he did. with me, Jay. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a trip. And the whole time he was doing that, it took me a few years to get to my, to my journey. <laughs> yeah. And your story. I had to add more to my story, yeah. you know, you so I wanted to be able to share for a full hour on a speaker meeting. So <laughs> right. I needed a little bit of filler. Yeah. And so when I found recovery, I was teaching groups. I was sponsoring guys. The meetings, just like on his yard, started with, you know, nine to 50. We're in every single, every single day we have meetings. I'm working with the cops. I'm helping people. I'm starting groups. I'm teaching group. I was sponsored 150 men. The same things he was doing, the same way God had entered into his heart and performed a miracle, he had entered into my heart and performed a miracle. Now, we get out within two weeks of each other. Yeah. So he, I, he gets out March 31st. March 31st. March 31st. Yeah. I get out March 19th. 2021 we both got out within a few weeks of each now other we have no idea what each other's we have no clue it's yeah. been seven years since yeah. we've heard anything about each other and i remember when i seen you pop up on facebook and i've been thinking about you i looked you up already when i got out i already knew i didn't say anything to ash because it was touch and go at this moment yeah, yeah. and i remember i reached out to you and and dude you were like i'm i'm in recovery bro and i was like so am i but we're both like yeah sure ah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, let's meet on safe ground. Let, let, <laughs> let's meet at a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> because we know each other. Right. And if this is true, and if we're both doing these same things, if this is a true thing, let's meet on, on a safe ground. So right. we met up at a meeting, man. And I remember when I looked at you and you looked at me and the, the way that we looked, you know, it talks about that in the doctor's opinion, man. Um, from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck, emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I come to feel that I had known him because I recognized his features, but from there, all resemblance ended. And I had that same experience with you, the way you looked, the look in your eye, the tone of your voice, the way you held your head high. I, I seen that in you. You seen that in me. And we immediately knew, dude, and it's, it's a trip. It completely blows my mind. I remember coming back home. And I had told Ash that I was going to meet you at a meeting and she looked at me sideways. And I remember I came back <laughs> yeah. and I was like, babe, you're not going to believe this. His story is my story. The same things he was doing, the same things. You're never going to believe it. And it took her some time to come around. I remember we had that dinner and we went to Olive Garden, man. We had man, that, that dinner. Awesome. Um, and I get emotional when, when we think about this because it's just unreal. The, the friendship, the journey. 
And I mean, you got out and hit the ground running, man. You have a job in recovery. You sponsor a ton of men. You have multiple service commitments. Anytime you're ever called upon, you're there. You're today. You're a good man. You're a good father. You're a good husband. You're a good son. You're a good everything. Everything this program teaches us, the morals, the values, and our actions reflect them. Today, your actions reflect them, dude. And it's insane. And it's unreal, man. Just, just to have this ability to, to share this moment with you. Jay, I, I, you know, I just want to say, first of all, I want to say thank you. And I just want to say, Jason, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to call you a friend, man. You know, it's getting a little emotional, but I want to share this one last thing and I'm going to let you take it out. And your, your friendship and your relationship with me and, and, and with your family, with your daughter and your wife is, is so important to me. And, you know, we were during during this this talk, we were talking about that hole, you know, the hole we had sunk in. Sure. We've all been there, right? That hole of addiction. And so I'm deep in this hole and I end up in the Arizona Department of Corrections and and the chaplain comes walking by the hole and I says, Chap, can you help me out of the hole? And he wrote a prayer on a piece of paper and he threw it down in the hole. Um, I went to church, I changed religions, man. I became a Muslim, a Messianic Jew. I got baptized 97 different times. I read the Bible standing on one foot and didn't get me out of the hole because faith without works was dead. A doctor comes walking by the hole and I says, doc, can you help me out of the hole? He wrote a prescription on a piece of paper and he threw it down in the hole. I took psych meds. I went to, I went to psychiatrists and psychologists and I even had electroshock therapy Mm. and all this stuff. And that didn't get me out of the hole. And then this guy, Sean, right, comes walking by the hole. And I says, hey, man, can you help me out of the hole? And he jumped down in the hole with me. I said, no, what did you do that for? Now we're both stuck down here. I said, no, we're not, Ron. I know the way out. Follow me. And that's what I did. I saw somebody being successful in a prison environment, staying sober, and living one, one day at a time. I grabbed onto his belt loop. And I started following him. I started doing the things he did. And I encourage everybody out there. If you're new, grab somebody's belt loop. If you're old, grab somebody's hand and put it through your belt loop. It's our moral obligation to to help people and guide people through this journey. We get sober and we talked about the ego rebuilds in itself. And I always got to remind myself this. You know, I I get sober and I become important. But never forget, you know, for me, it's nice to be important. But it's way more important to be nice to people. That goes a long way. Jason, I'm so grateful and so thankful to have you in my life. Thank you for this opportunity, bro. Yeah, and it's it's been a blessing, dude. I just I just I can't tell you how much you mean to me and and uh, <laughs> to experience God working in our lives and get to experience life, dude. It's just unreal. It's unbelievable. I truly love you, dude, and and thank you for sharing this opportunity with me, man. I I, I just I'm almost speechless, dude. And you know how hard that is for me, man. It's <laughs> that's a hard thing, dude. And and this journey, man, and you know, it's recovery is an endless journey, dude. And what we're gonna do together, and the amount of lives that we're gonna be able to touch with God working through us today, um, I'm just so excited to see where this endless journey brings us, man. So I love you, and, and thank you for I being love on. You, bro. Thank you.